now we know. So <laughs> why don't we just go into this randomly? We'll see how we do. Uh, <laughs> here's, our, here's our 20 second intro. Why not? Just yeah. wing it. I didn't record early when we were talking about what's in my fridge. So yeah. good. <laughs> okay. Cherry Developer News episode number 59 for Monday, September 9th, 2011. Uh, 2011, 2013. I'm Ken Rimple. We'll start with you. I'm Sujan Kapadia. And I'm Joel Confino. All three of us are here in one place. It's a little scary. Um, I'm, I'm little, dangerously low on coffee. You are. That's, that's, that's good. That's good. We want you low on coffee. Uh, okay. So, hey, uh, we got a bunch of stuff that's uh, fun to read. Let's, uh, first of all, if you came into this through a search, uh, let me tell you where to go for more episodes. Which you, it's at uh, uh, emergingtech.chariotsolutions.com. And you can click on the podcast uh, at the top and pick the developer news. We also have interview shows called the TechCast. We also have screencast from a lot of our different uh, conferences, including Emerging Technologies for the Enterprise, which now is up to, I think, 37 to 38 episodes. So if you uh, didn't get to go, fantastic uh, conference. And there's tons of really high-quality uh, talks there. Anyway, enough of that. And you can subscribe to us through iTunes as well. Just search for uh, Dev News or Chariot. All right. So let's get started. I'm going to start us off I, I, uh, in my little JavaScript world here, in my interest in uh, all weird things JavaScript, uh, I'm constantly taking a look at different uh, blog articles and how-tos because I think it's still kind of a messy world uh, for builds and such. And so Adi Osmani, uh, who does a whole lot of interesting stuff uh, and also has a book on Backbone that was just updated, uh, put a blog article out. And let me see how old this is. I don't think I have a date. But uh, it's called Making Maven Grunt. Now, I know we all, as Java developers, the three of us in the room here, have dealt with Maven uh, as kind of our convention over configuration build tool. Uh, on the other hand, we've got the whole JavaScript thing I've been talking about for weeks, which is you know using tools like Grunt, which is kind of like an ant for JavaScript, and Bower, which is a dependency management tool like what Maven has, and things like that. And generally, a lot of those things that get called get called through Grunt. Um, so this article talks about basically three tooling options uh, for how to get your Maven build and your project build for JavaScript to compare to uh, be compatible to whatever degree first. So um, the first one is uh, he's saying you know they're so different than each other in some applications where you truly have a true client application that lives on you know uh, an Apache server and that's all it is and you've got a Maven based Java server-side thing, and that's really going to be REST. So why not treat them as separate projects? So that's his postulate number one, go with separate projects. Uh, a second one is ignore modern tooling, uh, write your own plugins. Now, that makes my hair on back of my head stand yeah. up. Boo. Denied, yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, he denies it himself as he goes forward. Uh, and then the third one is the Maven exec plugin, which is a nice little gem. Uh, it's been around forever. I've used that a lot. Yeah, it's called Punt. Rack. Hack. Yes. Yeah. The call. Maven destroy your build yeah. plugin. If your entire Maven is ant call and Maven exec, you're not doing Maven. No, you're doing <laughs> Mant, um, <laughs> which we all know is a really bad movie, I think. Um, anyway, so he actually just points out uh, if you wanted to try to do this by using Maven ant run, uh, he has this nice little 35 line script <laughs> to do that, which ultimately the goal of grunt is to have you go grunt and just hit enter. And Grunt will find the build dot, I guess, JSON or whatever the file is and actually run the build like an ant build and have a default target. So 
how does this fit into the Maven lifecycle? Does it fork a new lifecycle? Will it do no. like a compile test step and all that kind of stuff? It's a good question. It actually fits into the generate sources phase, which is very early on. Okay. Because if you think about it, you're generating uh, packaged uh, content. Oh, right? so you're not running like if you had Jasmine tests and that kind of stuff. It, it won't do deal with that in any way? Well, actually, so this, yeah, you're putting me on the spot for a good reason, <laughs> and that's okay. Um, it looks like the sample he has here uh, has a... Um, it looks like it would probably do that kind of stuff early on. Okay, so sort of outside of what you where you would expect it to occur. Right. Now, okay. I, I would say since I know Maven and you know Maven a little more maybe uh, or do more with it than maybe Andy does, I'm not sure, would be you could have multiple executions of the exec Maven plugin, one tied to the generate sources lifecycle, sure. which could do your grunt dist. Um, but the problem with Grunt is it wants to do everything like Maven wants to do everything, right? So you could say let's put the test in a, uh, a Grunt test. But then you'd have to exclude those from the grunt dist command. Okay. See what I'm saying? So you may have to tweak your grunt build a little bit to make it live nicely in Maven. Okay. But there's no reason why you can't. Uh, in fact, uh, if you look at the Maven exec sample, it is only like nine lines. And it's because it's just executing the executable called grunt. Um, they will assume that you've done a node NPM install because grunt is an NPM module and all that right. kind of stuff, right? So that means you've got to make sure your, your uh, package.json file is properly put together for your node package. Um, and then also uh, they have things about testing in here. So, you know, war files doing the builds. Um, again, there's looks like he's got the, well, he has a Yeoman Maven plugin, which I wasn't aware of. So let me take a look at that for just a brief second. This is terrible prep work on my end. But anyway, if you take a look, you'll also see that he has things like, you know, doing distributions, uh, doing kind of a clean to clean things out, dealing with dependencies, uh, and also anything on middleware. So a good, nice, comprehensive little article to take it, a look at. It looks great because, I mean, if you're using Maven, and like you say, if you have the single page app kind of thing, then you probably do have two separate builds. But if you're not, yeah. if you want to provide a little bit more robustness to your JavaScript build as opposed to here, we just have a directory, we throw everything in it and hope it works. This is nice. Sure. It's great for onboarding developers because they just sort of have to b deal with one script, build a project in one step. Yeah, that's a big deal, actually. And that's what Maven really did for everybody, too. So why not try to live in that world? And there's a good number of uh, comments in here, too. So cool. Adi Asmani, great. He also runs a project that I want to keep plugging whenever I can, which is to do, M to do MVC. Right. That's a fantastic project. Oh, he's project. the to-do MVC person? Yeah, to oh, do that is MVC. a great project. To-do, T-O-D-O, MVC.com. Uh, he's, I think he's one of a couple people, but I think he's a main he's person. He's constantly updated. They keep it up to date really well. If you don't know how to write an app in X, and by X, I look, I'm looking right now at like 12 easy ones to jump right to, uh, and actually a total of probably 35 or 40. But let's say you, you didn't know how to do something in Kendo, and someone said, let's play around with Kendo. You could download this GitHub repo and get a to-do list project right from it. Now, it doesn't do everything, but at least it gets you the idea of how do the models look, how do the views look, how does the routing work. Um, and that's really the main thing that you need to do to just get started. And they have resources on each of these things as well. It's awesome. It really is like, like Matt Rabel's app fuse that was really popular in the 90s. And it's one GitHub repo. repo. So clone the repo, you get 35, 40 yeah. samples. And I think the Ember JS page actually points back to this as their example in their tutorial. That's so. great. Yeah. That's great. So anyway, so if you're interested in more about single-page web apps and you want to look at code right away and you're not getting it from the websites, that's okay. Go to todomvc.com. Don't one be fooled. My whole stick is that things are way more complicated oh, than to do. You're absolutely so right. Please don't be fooled by that. You can get the smell of the code on a simple basis. You're absolutely right. Because when you start doing things like, you know, interaction, you know, multiple uh, multiple things composed together as a quote-unquote right. transaction, all sorts of stuff sure. like that. It's, 
get async push. Yeah, it's going to be all bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, why don't we talk about the big news story? I buried the lead this week. Um, the NSA. Joel, you're a big fan of knowing what privacy encryption nightmares are. Yes. Uh, did this one catch you by surprise? Did you hear yeah, about this this weekend? I, I did see this. So the NSA uh, circumvents encryption in websites, instant messaging, blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot in the news about this. Although, um, and, you know, although I will say on this particular case, I'm going to say that a lot of this, I think, is hype. And the reason is, Ooh. I think that there, you know, the when you delve into it, uh, Ars Technica has a good article that says, of course, NSA can crap, can crap, can crack crypto. It's tough to speak. I'm not editing. Go ahead. <laughs> Anyone can. The question. Can <laughs> of course, the NSA can crack crypto. Anyone can. The question is how much. And I think that's really it. You know, they said there's a huge continuum being able to crack. You can say, for instance, that, you know, we've seen all these um, things come out about being able to crack HTTPS or, or get around it. But there's a very specific set of circumstances. Or they said um, in the in the government's own documentation. So the NIST is in charge of the government standards for use of encryption. Right. They've actually deprecated 1024 RSA encryption till the end of this year. And then they have um the, whatever the next one up is uh, is the 2048, the yeah. and that is approved until 2030. So this kind of stuff is like expected. So if the NSA couldn't right. crack 1024, then uh -huh. why are they deprecating it? You know, so like this kind of some of it is a little bit of media hype and not understanding that this is a signal processing uh, organization whose entire purpose is right. to create and crack encryption. So if they couldn't do this, then why are we paying them anything? So, so the media and the internet have hyped something? <laughs> yeah. I mean, any, I know, I know. Anything observable can be cracked. It's, right. it's just the nature and, of things. And the other thing that they really point out in this article An is egg. nobody knows actually the NSA's capability. So people are just saying this. Like, right. like they don't exactly publish, like, hey, we can crack 1024, but it's going to take us a while to get to 2048. I mean, who knows, yeah, right? Maybe they invented the internet just to spy on us. Right. It's possible. That's not possible. Probably not. I don't believe Probably it. Probably not. I don't believe it. The Can't internet be. was invented as a delivery oh. mechanism for angry birds. <laughs> we all know that. That could be. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, that was the link from the NBC News, Technology Blog, and also from Ars Technica. All right. Um, let's jump over to Vertex. Um, I think we talked about Vertex last week. Yeah, we did. I spent some time with Vertex. Yeah, I've got cool, to dude. plug it. I think it's freaking awesome. It is awesome. Um, and, you know, because if you do anything with Node and you're playing around with Node, but you're also a Java developer, slap yourself five times and get a hold of Vertex. It's <laughs> yeah. almost the same thing. Takes, yeah, it takes advantage of multi-threading, multiple cores right out of Which the box. Which right away the is more than what... clustering. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And there's a distributed message bus and everything. Yeah. Um, anyway, the reason I mention it, and just because I'm like, I'm really jazzed on it at the moment for a server-side uh, tool for my client-side hacking... Um, and yeah, you're right. It's Ruby, it's Java, it's Python, right. it's Groovy, it's JavaScript, and eventually they're going to have Closure and Scala. Right. Wait, Vertex too? Oh, it gets Ruby through JRuby. All, yes. all the JVM languages. Python through Jython. I yeah. got it. Right. Wow. So it'll be cool to watch them with Sky, uh, with Scala and with um, Closure. That should be. And really it does handle JavaScript as well. So yeah. if you, you know if you need to do the Node thing, but in JavaScript for Vertex, you can do it. Right. So I down just just a side plug. I'll put the I'll put the link in. Just uh, I'm learning these things. I might as well share. Um, there's a really nice starter project that uses Gradle as a build. And for building your own, they, what are they, they're modules, right? That's the term for the things you Verticals. Build. Verticals, right. But then you can package them as a module. Right. And so um, 
So there's a really nice build, and the build has embedded within it all the different languages and tests for all the okay. languages, mm. and it works with uh, IDEs and everything. It's fantastic. Anyway, um, the reason I'm mentioning this is I did, as I'm doing research, I did a uh, research on it and found Tim Fox, who's the person who created it, um, had an interview on InfoQ about a, a month and a half ago talking about Vertex 2.0. Um, so, you know, he's mentioning things like uh, that it's very modular, the core is very small, and all the features are being rolled out as modules that get uh, loaded, and they have kind of a new uh, module clearinghouse, which is simply just a directory. You can put your module in Maven repos, and they mention one other thing in there, too, which I was never uh, aware of. Um, what is the module stored in? Bin tray. Have you ever heard of bin tray? No. I've never no. heard of Pintray, so I don't know what those are. But anyway, so those are two places you can store Vertex modules. Um, and then you have this module registry where you can take a look at modules and get a feel for what's out there. And then he talks about like why you would choose Vertex over Node. One thing is, as you mentioned last week, Jet is Netty, right? right? Right. It's just a solid foundation that is built on. Yeah. And he went back to work for Red Hat which is who is sponsoring, I think, or developing Netty, if I remember correctly. They're one of the main, okay. I think they're one of the main sponsors of it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of projects out there that use Netty. Yeah. yeah I've, I've cool. heard from my contact at Apple, like use Netty and drop servlets, which would be tough for me because I really love servlets. But that's what <laughs> that, I heard. Tea, that teapot book is stuck in my head from Jason Hunter from the 1990s. <laughs> um, request response session. Um, okay. So anyway, and it's funny because they call it 2.0, but yet it's, it's their first birthday of Vertex being out there. So it's actually yeah. done, done a lot within one year. And yeah, shout out to Hazelcast. Which I, did you mention that in your talk um, at Cherry Day? We have, we, I looked at Hazelcast yeah, before really for, cool. for some stuff. Yeah, it is they, interesting. They use it to do all their distributed and clustering and like sharing the distributed event bus. Oh, they, they use Hazelcast, Hazelcast under that. the covers. That's yeah. interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and things like WebSockets are like a two-liner. So interesting, interesting stuff. All right, cool. So that's that. Um, why don't we grab some other articles here? Uh, who wants to talk about uh, scientists use DNA to assemble oh, I can do transistor that. graphene? Go ahead. So you guys have probably heard about graphene and all the crazy promises it's making. And so it can be like the next miracle material that solves like everything out there. Um, so the, just in case others haven't, it's is it a uh, graphite, certain kind of form of graphite? I'm, I'm going to read right off the article because it's going awesome. to do a better description than me. Oh. Graphene is a sheet of carbon atoms arrayed in a... Arrayed, yeah, in a honeycomb pattern, just a single atom thick. That's what I Basically, thought. Basically, it can be. <laughs> I didn't want to say it's it. It's supposed but... to be an amazing <laughs> semiconductor. It's supposed to have like amazing strength and tensile strength, and you know all these other sort of properties that are you know gonna you know bring us into utopia here. Sure. But uh, Solve they everything. basically used it to build a transistor. If you know what a transistor is, sort of. Hey, we, know, let's go back fifty years. Unit, <laughs> yeah, the fundamental unit which computers are you know. That's the built clapper, upon. right? That's the clapper. Clap yeah, on, exactly. clap off. Yeah. They've assembled a transistor using DNA from graphene. So I'm scared. Wow. Basically bringing in, you know, biology, technology, software, engineering all together to build these really, really small transistors, which the, the challenge is, right, how many more transistors can we fit on this thing? So they keep trying to get smaller and smaller, and they're hitting, you know, physical limits, so they need to look at new materials. So it's just amazing that, you know, they keep, they keep pushing that limit. Every year I'm like, oh, yeah, we're, we can't get any farther, and they find out a way to make things smaller. Yeah, they have to use different material. And yeah. in this case, atomic material. Exactly. Wow. Well, everything's made everything's atoms. But I mean, at the atomic level. That, that, exactly. is, that is actually really interesting because that is oh, the next oh. big thing. Can we get away from silicon wafers and, you know, what can we build? Right. And we're going to have to at some point. Well, light computers. Light. I've heard about light. Quantum computing, which is like, I don't get it. So, And the hard part, <laughs> yeah. I think they said, like, you know, it's getting, it's getting DNA to behave the way they want it to behave. So I'm kind of scared if we, you know, we get better and better at manipulating DNA. What? 
what else is going to happen? DNA computers, <laughs> yeah. quantum computing. Instead of parallel cores, you're processing your stuff in parallel universes. Mind what? blown. Yeah. And actually, if you start working on a problem and the computer thinks you're too stupid, it just says, uh, please, just get away from the computer. I just, you know, I just hope computers can't like create black holes and stuff. That would be scary. This is an interesting technology. It is. I want, I want one. Can I get one? How do I know that I have it in my bag? That's the big question. You just kind of fall so, through. And the, they make an interesting point at the end of the article. So our DNA-based fabrication method is highly scalable, offers high resolution and low manufacturing costs. Like it, they've wow. already, they already know how to replicate DNA. That's been going on for decades. Like it's being able to pr- mass produce that is just like instantaneous. It's nothing. They, they do it all the time right now to, you know, for the Human Genome Project and all that kind of stuff to look for genetic markers and defects and stuff. So all that, it's amazing how all this research in biology now is feeding into other domains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, think of, like, Intel and all the billions they have put into silicon, and now what about this? Yeah. I'm trying to think of a smart aleck comment. I got one. <laughs> I could have done that. All right. Uh, Codeandconquer.co. What, what, what okay, that? Okay, so what this that? is really, really cool. This is my whole thing on, like, you know, getting – I think getting kids and other people interested in programming again and via the browser just because, you know, there's so many powerful things out there with HTML5 and Canvas and stuff. So this website is it's a war game for coders. It's, oh. You basically you, you build your army, the strategy of your army, by writing algorithms, by programming. And then you basically run that against other players and you, you, whichever strategy there is better wins. There goes this week. So you can boost your coding skills as saying master key algorithms, and it's a competition. And you're basically coding in Python or JavaScript, AI stuff, non-AI stuff, but and then you, you basically compete against others. But you're you're competing your code, which I'm loving it already. If you guys have heard of stuff like Kaggle, yeah, which was like the big data data science competitions, where yep. you know this is sort of in a similar vein, but just I think it's more general purpose programming and algorithms and we're I all signing up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. You're tight, you guys. You guys are already writing algorithms and stuff here. Well, it's not open yet. But it looks uh, like it, yeah, exactly. This is a great way, to, I think, wow. to get younger younger people involved. That's cool. God, did I just say younger people? You said younger people. Oh, you, my God. You kids get off my lawn. I'm turning 33 in a few weeks, so. <laughs> Turn that music you're down, damn it. You're how old? 33? Oh, I will be 33 in a few weeks. Stop programming in JavaScript. Do, you, do your knees hurt when you stand up? I, uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll geezer you. All right. This is awesome. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. It's Very cool. nice. There goes my productivity for a week. All right. Um, I'm gonna win. That's the. the you know what? That's cool. Because think about it, right? When and you're gonna get this point, Sujan, at some point, and I know that probably I'll bet that Joel's almost there, because as kids become sentient, and they, <laughs> you know they get out of the jelly state, you know, they feed me. That's where my daughter is right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's cute because they smile and they're great, yeah. and then they get old and it's a problem. But anyway, um, when they're older, they beat the tar off of you in games. Yeah. They can't win against me in this game. That's right. I'm going to tail you're... recursion myself right into the rear of that system and blow it up. <laughs> yeah, but they'll know... figure out a way to hack it. They'll still beat you. <laughs> I know you're good at Halo 45, but how about Lambda Calculus, kid? How about that? Yeah. I actually always wondered, so in that same vein, what, what is Minecraft exactly? Do you pro, like, love, I know people make, pro, like, they make Legos, we need a whole show. in there, right? Well, no, we need a whole show based okay. on Minecraft because you, you can build uh, machines in right. Minecraft, uh, simple electronic uh, components and things. But um, it's mostly about everything. It's, it's like, hard to explain. It's yeah. like a Legos for the whole world. Is that a good That's platform it. to teach kids programming? No, no, no. Okay. No, it's a good platform to teach them about fun and exploration. But no, okay. I'm actually looking. We should do a whole show on kids 
um, programming platforms because I'm looking at that for my children to give them something focused on. Andrea Wright would be perfect to put in that too because she's done a lot of like presentations around that stuff and knows it. I know one of my friends' son did like the Lego Next thing for a little bit. And Mindstorms. Mindstorms Mindstorms Next. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how far he got with that. Cool, man. Coolness. Uh, Coding craze gone crazy. So this is (laughs) the exact opposite. Um, I threw this out here actually because this week I found this interesting article uh, uh, saying how the the coding craze is going overboard, which is – it's really just a a, – I guess a contrary opinion, basically saying that uh, people are getting so crazy about the coding craze, like teaching people coding, that they're saying, you don't even need a degree, just learn how to code, which is like, no, 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 that's not even the point. But it's like that hype over top of anything that's happening, right? Um, Job security, we we gotta make coding confusing again. Yeah, it has to be like in binary, so get on it. yeah, so so it's it's uh you know the point being that a lot of these things like Code Academy and some of the other things are really good for people like you know just exercising their skills in coding, but there's nothing that's going to really replace them actually going through education enough yeah. to understand some of these things and real world work really. It's interesting, but this is almost like the debate of you know a liberal arts education versus a yeah. very narrow technical school, and that's sort of like an infinite loop, but. And I there don't are necessarily agree cons. with this either. I don't, yeah, I don't really necessarily yeah. agree. I mean, it's but, still yeah. really tough to get you know kids and children, whatever, even anybody interested in programming and to like stick with it yeah. past the first few classes or whatever. Well, it starts to get cerebral. Right. And unless you are on that wavelength, it's hard to stay with it. The, the statement that, that kind of cracked me up a little bit was, this is towards the end of the article, um, and this is by Stephanie Yang on TechCrunch. Uh, We use cars and planes regularly, and those with expertise work with them and make them run. However, the vast majority of people boarding a plane lack esoteric knowledge on how the aircraft works. Thank God. Um, Yeah, yeah, seriously. But, you know, I remember when computers came up and they were general-purpose computing devices with a language. Like you were talking about a couple weeks ago with me, uh, Sujan. It's... They're things you write programs for to solve problems for you. Right. And now everything's an app you can download and buy, so we don't have to think about programming anymore. And so, yeah, I'm totally on the other side of this article, which is learn to program because the world's your oyster from a software perspective. Once you know how to do good programming, you can do whatever you want. You know, you have a lot more power. Uh, well, anyway, I have to get yeah. out more. No, I'm with you. And some people will probably yell at this, but hey, you know, why are we teaching Latin in school? Why don't we, like, actually teach a programming language? I'm just throwing yeah, that out Even there. if you don't end up programming ever again, it helps you, you know, from problem solving and yeah, mathematics and absolutely. a whole bunch of other stuff. Just thinking logically about things. Yeah. I think I'm going to write a programming language called Latin. <laughs> Not pig Latin, just Latin. Um, ultra low latency oh, SSD. Freaking, Talk to this me. This is crazy all right so when's this stuff gonna be on my computer yeah well it's only for like enterprise class right now so basically this is an ssd that fits in your dim slot so first of all right there it's like you know at the bare metal there's a lot less latency because it's talking right through a dim slot not right on the bus hard drive right on the bus and it has a five second less than sorry oh my god five (laughs) microsecond how did i say is this core memory on the dim (laughs) right flip yeah go ahead has a direct link to the cpu right late latency of less than five microseconds it's ridiculous. Uh, one gig sustained throughput read-write performance per DIMM slot. It's like wow. way, way faster than any SSD out there right now. And it's going to, again, change the game because you can do all these things. You can just use it like memory, right? You can write out to disk and not have to worry about, oh, I need to you know, read into memory first, cache. It's, it's so, so fast. So memory will be storage, essentially. I, well, I think that's where we're going anyway, but this is just another you know, way that's to That's kind of faster. amazing to think about. Just bought it on Amazon with two-day shipping. <laughs> 
for my Linux box. It's going to so, change all the database, you know, tuning and algorithms again if they start using yeah, this. And then it's just ridiculous. It can all be in memory. It can all be, yeah. you know, stored while in memory. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. That was at, uh, what was that? Java.dzone.com by Alan yeah, Coyne. We'll post the link to that as well. Very cool. Yeah. I think it's one of the, probably one of the fastest things out there right now. Wow. I'm liking it. Um, okay. So, hey, I mentioned Latin. Let's talk about Racket. Who, who knows what Racket is? It's a programming language or write So I just kind of got introduced to it. So uh, anybody help me out. But Racket sure. uh, is basically, it is a programming language. It's, it it's looks, based on Lisp. Yeah, and it says, say, yeah, kind of the thing that, that, they, that they say in one of the slides about it, it's been around for a little while, but it, and it's, I think, has an educational bent. But the idea is that, hey, if you want to write your own language, um, you can use Racket basically to create I to create your it. own language. So it is, I and what they it. said oh, was like God. people, you know, uh, the, the phrase they put in there was, you know, a Lisp programmer can write Lisp in any language, you know, a C programmer can write C in any language, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, a, sorry, and a Racket this. programmer can just create any language. I like the, lo I like <laughs> the logo, and I like how their Racket is a programming language. Kind of like, that's their description of it. <laughs> Wait, where's the? I don't have the wave sound. But, you know, but yeah. I mean, this is developer news. I don't know if this is news, but you know, there's. It, it is a cool language. Draw uh, more pictures or build a web server from scratch because they're like the same thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's really the idea behind it now is like this is like a learning language, you know, kind of like that's its basis is in uh, education. I don't know if they're promoting this as a language that you run in production, but it's more like an expand your mind. Wow. What's cool. the difference, you know, between this and Lisp? It is. Know? Well, this is like a perfected scheme, they said. Oh, okay. Perfected. Hmm. Delicious. Um, wow. So, so yeah. So, you know, I heard of this uh, years and years and years ago. Fourth, of all things. If anyone remembers Fourth, which is a very weird language. I've heard of it. It ended up becoming, as Keith uh, over here and I, Keith Gregory and I talked about Fourth. Because he actually wrote his own Fourth interpreter. Um, he's very scary in terms of that stuff. But uh, you build your own language out of this very small Fourth language. You're adding words. Everything is a word. Okay. Procedure is a word. Um, and so this is not a, a new topic, but it sounds like this is kind of a new exploration into it. That's very cool. Racket-lang.org. Check it out. I think we're almost done here. Uh, I'm going to skip the one at the top. Um, $65 DIY robot that moves like a bug. Yeah, so this is uh, this is in the projects that I want to do with my kids, but it's just a cool project in general. And uh, this, this little robot bug thing called Dash. But one of the things that makes Dash interesting, aside from the fact that it's inexpensive, yeah. is that the kit that comes with it apparently is um, – general purpose enough that the sensors you can use on your other robots. So they said one of the goals of this project was it's really hard to find um, good sensors for tiny robots. Unless you, you go with things like Mindstorms, in which case you've got expensive stuff. I mean, that's, that's true. expensive. And the other thing is that the um, one of the reasons they can produce this so cheaply is that it's all printed on uh, one, like imagine a sheet of paper, but it's actually cardboard and plastic. And then they use laser lasers to cut away the cardboard and just leave plastic hinges. Oh. So very inexpensively, oh. they build the whole structure and that's they build cool. all kinds of very complicated mechanical things, but it's really just on one sheet that's just been laser cut and that has like these cool little hinges. So this thing actually can run over, but they were they researched like how can animals like lizards and things go so fast over all kinds of terrain? And this is just not like a robot that has wheels. It has these little legs, which it kind of looks like an insect in the picture. It fits in your hand. Yeah. And it can move over lots of different terrains because these legs operate in this and it's fast apparently actually it's pretty fast and so um, it probably doesn't weigh much either no. can they and, all like each of the legs act independently in a sense well i haven't got one yet there's okay. st stores still sort of like in a kick 
Kickstarter kind of uh, mode. One of these. But but they're going to uh, re, um, produce an iPhone app for it, so you can control it that oh, way. It, it looks very cool, actually. Uh, it's just you know, hey, wars. It, you know, and you can write your own. Um, you know, um, the other kind of interesting thing was they said you'll be able to write your own. Um, artificial intelligence for it to make it do different things like avo- oh God, avoid light or swarm or all this kind of stuff. So, you know, me and my son are going to try to build this thing and see what yeah. happens. Combine that with the, the Wi-Fi already doing anything you talked about last week and we got bugs oh talking to each other and over just, large distances. Those are Wi-Fi. Those are Arduino, uh, if yeah. I remember correctly. Slap and this apparently, here, man? Yeah. Oh, my God. They said that, I just read in here, they're Arduino-compatible devices. Oh, so, great. theoretically, you could. Bugs taking over the world. I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah, we can mix in some of that DNA graphite stuff. Oh, great. They'll have these bugs having their own bug babies. Well, if they can go fast enough and they can make, like, if you make it out one of those drink trays, we can just send them to Starbucks for us. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot of, like, robots that you can buy that are cheap, but this thing seems, like, yeah, really, really intelligently designed, though. Just, like, it seems like it was a bunch of PhDs from, like, yeah. Stanford or something they like that. They think they're going to get so cheap someday that they're just going to be part of, like, cereal box prizes. Here. You know, that might work. Mm, I like it. All right. Well, that's what we have for you this week. Hopefully, it was entertaining, informative, and infotainment. Uh, so, uh, again, <laughs> get to us uh, via emergingtech.chariotsolutions.com. You click on the uh oh. Uh, hey, the website's not up. Uh, never mind. I'll have to go take a look at that. I have something to do. Uh, but if you click on the podcast link and you go and take a look at the dev news, it's right up there. And uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to us through iTunes. Uh, check out our education services at Chariot Solutions. If you go to chariotsolutions.com slash education, we have training coming up in Scala, in Android, and other, a number of other things as well, Spring. Uh, and so think of us there. And also, if you're looking for consulting, uh, that's what we do. That's our main job is doing application development software uh, in mobile, in enterprise applications, integration. All right, that's it. So for the developer news for Monday, September 9th, 2013, I'm Ken Rimple. I'm Sujong Padia. And I'm Joel Confino. Go make something. Make, it, make a Latin programming language, would you? Bye. <laughs>